All right. So we can start reading at verse Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Nazareth. I'm sorry, Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun, Nephilipi, Nephilipi, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Nephilipi, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Stop right there, please. Thank you. Now I just want to reread um, verse 6. It says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So this, this verse is so powerful because not only, even when you look at the Son of God coming into the, to the world, can you imagine how many years, how many centuries had gone by and the world was dark and the world was full of death. There was no hope. Soon as you sinned, you went straight to hell. There was no, no grace. There was no, um, there was just, God just told you what he wanted from you. Now, there were times when they were sacrificing animals for their sins. But in other words, God was a lot more stricter than he is now because of the blood of the lamb, because of Jesus Christ. So um, with that being said, think about, I just want you to take the time and I want you to take the moment to really think about of just how dark and just how full of death that your life was before you met Christ. Think about it. And, and death is not always a literal sense, you know, or when you think about darkness, think about the depression, think about the oppression, think about the hopelessness, think about the danger that you continuously place yourself in with no direction, no vision for your life. And so the Bible says that before he came, it was dark, but he was that great light, and he was that light, the light of all men, okay? So verse 17 says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus didn't say, repent, the Lord will buy you a house. <laughs> repent, and you're going to be this the 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 net you're gonna sit next to the president repent and you're gonna be balling out of control you're gonna be a millionaire 
He said, repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now that is a spiritual thing. The kingdom of heaven has come near. So I want us to reflect on our motives and our agenda for being saved because, and this is amazing too, that even, remember what we learned earlier on in the series that Jesus was a walking example of how we should live. The first time he started to preach, the first word came out of his mouth was what? Repent. A lot of people think they got relationships with God, the Jesus of grace. They think they got, they got, uh, they, they saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit, but do not have a lifestyle of repentance. And even when people come into your dwelling or wherever you may work or whatever you, the school that you might be in, you have to tell them, man, you got to be straight up with them. Because guess what? Love is truth. No, you can't have a, 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 a relationship with God because repentance is what unlocks the door. Repentance is what lifts up the veil. Repentance is what reconnects you back to the Father. We didn't have that before Jesus Christ came into the earth. All we had was thou shall not kill, thou shall not steal, thou shall not uh, commit adultery, thou shall not be covetous. Y'all should not bear false witness. And if you do that, you're going to die. <laughs> I just want you to see just how precious our Jesus is. And what the, and the grace and the love that he has brought into our lives. Okay? Um, let us continue reading, please. Jesus calls his first disciples. Verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Stop right there. <laughs> this is so powerful and it's just like how when Jesus calls us and I want to just bring it in today's terminology today's situation so you can really understand that it's not anything different than when Jesus walked the earth thousands of years ago here it is Peter um, and Andrew they were fishing they were minding their own business matter of fact they wasn't fishing for leisure that, that was actually their business and how they made money, right? And here it is, Jesus come out of the clear blue and says, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. So he began to cause the, their, their business to become his business. He didn't say you can never fish again. He didn't say to fish is a sin. He just said, look, I see what you're doing. You're trying to make your money. You, you chilling. But I have a greater purpose in mind. And my purpose and my desire 
and is for people. Okay? And, and even as being saved, what does disciple mean? This is when he began to call his disciples. What does a, deci a disciple mean? A disciple means a disciplined learner. That's all that is, a disciplined learner. So here it is. Jesus is calling the disciples, and he said, um, I want to make you fisher of men. That is the same exact assignment that God has called us to do. The same exact, the same exact assignment that as we go out in the world, first we're preaching that the kingdom of heaven is near, and also that um, he wants us to repeat who we become. That's why, the, that, that's why there is a such thing as a process of development before you go out into ministry, before you go out and to do what you believe God has called you to do. Because even look at Jesus. First, he was what? Baptized. Then, after he was baptized, he was then, he went through a wilderness experience. Through that wilderness experience, he was fasting and praying. Then from after he began to uh, rebuke the devil, and after he began to overcome all the works of the devil, and he had the word of God in his, in his body and in his heart, because he didn't have a Bible open and said, man, don't need that bread alone, nothing but bread alone. No, that was already in his heart. And when he was being tempted by the devil, he spoke to the devil. And then from his victory, then he went into ministry. You see? Then he went into being that help for somebody else. There's a process. God is not going to send us to help other people if we already have, if we already, in other words, if we're still hurting people. And what I mean by that is if we still have attitudes, we still lie, we still cheat, we're still, you know, selfish. He's not going to say, okay, now it's time I want you to be an effective minister. But yes, God has called you to be a minister. He has called you to be a disciple. And that is what, the, what is the disconnect in the church. Because we think that we're just going there to hear a word and then just go home. But when you read the Jesus of the scriptures, you notice that anytime you sat at the feet of Jesus and you learned from him, God then began to send you out. Because he desired that none uh, shall be, uh, for none to be lost. So even when God looks at you, he see your sister. He see your grandmother. He see your auntie. He see your, your uncle. He don't just see you. He see all the people around you in your classroom and, and at your job that he can bring into salvation. But sometimes, you know what we do? We go to God and we just only thinking about us. Like, oh, man, Lord, I just want you to bless me. You know what I'm saying? I just want you to love me. Take care of me. Answer my prayer. Give me the strength. Prophesy to me, oh Lord. Then when you go home, oh man, leave me alone. Get away from me. I don't want to talk to nobody. <laughs> and that's not how God created us to be. He has called us as his disciples. So let us continue to read. 
verse 20. And once they left their nets and followed him. Going on Hold from on, there. Hold on, did it take two, two weeks? At once they Did it left. take a month? At once they left. Did it take three years? <laughs> At once they left their nets oh, and followed him. Oh, they left everything they knew. They left their desires. They left what they do, what they thought that was going to take care of them to follow him. Let's see why. Let's continue to read. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, and immediately they left the boat. They did what? Immediately. Immediately? The boat. Did it take a summer? Immediately. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to make sure. I don't know. I think that. You reading the right Bible? Okay, keep continuing. And immediately they left the boats and their father. They left who? They who? They can know not Papa. And their father. Uh oh. Continue. And followed him. Mm hmm. Uh oh. Let's continue. Chapter 5, verse 1. Introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For Blessed are the who? Poor in spirit. So what, pause right there. What, simply what poor in spirit means is those who suffer, those who have been counted out, those who uh, are leaning on God for, e for everything, those who are humbled, those who are broken. He said blessed, not cursed. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And hold on. Because I, I was here. Oh, I'm It's sorry. okay, honey. Go ahead. We're starting back at verse 23. I don't want us to miss I'm this sorry. part. Matthew chapter 4, verses 23. Jesus heals the sick. Verse 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Can you pause right there for me, please? So, this is so important. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news. So guess what? The, the, the message that we have of Christ and who Christ is and what he has done in our lives is good news. So my question to not just us, but to the body of Christ around the world is why do many Christians hide their faith? Why do many Christians are afraid to uh, 
share the good news? Why does the story and what Jesus Christ has done for us seem like it's a burden, a burden or a or bad news? For example, I told I told my homeboy, I said, boy, man, I'm saved, man. I, Jesus Christ, he saved me, he delivered me. I'm sorry, I can't be going to the club with you. I can't drink with you no more. I can't smoke weed with you no more, man. I'm, I'm following a God that told me everything about me and changed my whole entire life. He said, what? Dang, another one bites the dust. A lot of people don't love, like in other words, they don't want our Jesus, the Jesus of the scripture, because the Jesus of the scripture is going to cause you to what? Rise above. You cannot accept everything in your life no more. Some, the Bible says some like darkness because their deeds are evil. The only difference between us and them is that we see the evil deeds and we don't want it. Amen? We like, uh-uh, I got to get it out of here. Right? And that's why he said, bless our poor spirit. But I didn't want to jump ahead, you know, and explaining that. So here it is. He's preaching the good news. What is the good news? The good news is that now I have grace. The good news is that I don't have to drown in depression. The good news is that I have received eternal life. The good news is I have direction. The good news is that I can see my way through life. The good news is that I have somebody that loves me. The good news is that I have somebody that protects me. The good news is that I don't have to pay for the sins that I have committed before God. The good news is that my mama don't have to die of cancer. The good news, the good news is that I don't have to stay and, and, and be bound to fornication and pornography and masturbation. The good news is that I can set my friend free, that my, that my prayers are heard, that I'm not just praying and, and my prayers are being bounced from off the walls. The good news is that I got power over every serpent, over every scorpion, over all the works of the devil. That's the good news. That we got power and authority over all the works of the devil. That means that you got power over every trick, every trap, every snare, every word of the devil. You. That's the good news. The good news is that you're valuable. The good news is that you're royalty. The good news is that you're powerful. The good news is that not only that we have all these qualities, but we can give them to someone else. The good news, this is so powerful, for all those who have been abandoned or rejected, the good news is that, what? We have a father. All the orphans, Jesus can be every single thing you need. If you need a, 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 a mother, he'll be that mother for you. Because I'm, I'm a person that lost my mother and my father. And God has been my mother and my father. People say, well, God is a man. 
How can God be your, your mother? Because he, his good quality, pay attention to this. We're made in God's image and his likeness, right? The good things that we see in our mother, the good characteristics that we see in our father, it comes from God. God is a nurturer, although women are considered to be more nurturing than men, right? God likes to cuddle. <laughs> Amen? How many of you like to, used to like to lay under your mom a little bit, lay all on her? That's how women, you know, nurture their children. That is an attribute of God. He does the same thing. Especially the, the wisdom that we get from our mother. I'm just giving you an example here because of my experience about dating the right people. You get what I'm saying? In other words, mama say, well, baby, you know, he ain't the one. Or she's not the one. I see that old fast tail over there. She's not the one. You don't think God will sit there and tell you? Keep moving. Keep walking. Close your eyes. He ain't the one. Or she ain't the one. The same attributes that your mother, that any, every good thing that you love about your mother, God is that times a hundred. Everything that you love about your father, God is that times a hundred. But the Bible says, and this is where a lot of people get, um, this is where a lot of people get confused. That the Bible says if you draw, this is Jesus talking. He said, if you draw closer to me, I would draw, draw closer to you. What is that saying? Jesus is saying, I know what you need, but you have to realize that you need it. And you have to open up your heart. And then I'll come to you. A lot of people say, well, God ain't talk to me. God is not healing me. God is not cracking jokes with me. Well, maybe is, is it because you have a hard heart? Or is it because you have a strong heart of unbelief? You have to first believe that God can be a father to you before he can be a father to you. You have to first believe that God can be a mother to you if you believe he can be a mother to you. Even a best friend or spouse. Jesus said that he is the groom. He is the groom to the bride, which is the church. So not only Jesus helped me, for, um, not only God and Jesus helped me, you know, find my place in life by being my parents. But then even when I wanted to seek relationships, before I even thought about a husband, Jesus took the place of even my husband. Uh-oh, what you mean? Jesus taking your place of being your husband. Why? Because just like a husband do, the love, <laughs> The intimacy, what does intimacy mean? Into me, you see. And that's all it means. Into me, you see. What does that mean? Is that if you, for example, your husband or your wife should be like your best friend. There should be nothing hidden, no secrets. You can just be flat out you. 
What does that mean is if I'm farting, <laughs> I'm not ashamed because you know me. There's no hidden thing there. My breath stink in the morning. It's just funky. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Right? The little jelly roll that hanging out here that y'all don't see, that's, in, that's being intimate. That's being intimate. You see, now you, you there's nothing you're seeing from the outside. You're seeing every part of me, whatever, what, whatever, what I accept and what I kind of like don't really even like about my own self. You get it? So God can be that for you. He love your jelly roll. Don't be ashamed. <laughs> he love that same breath. But sometimes he'll tell you to brush your teeth. He will do it. He told me that one time. I was like, hallelujah. He was like, no. Come back in like five minutes. I'm like, oh, for real? For real? So what I'm just trying to say to you is that whatever you need in God, you can receive it, but you have to open up your heart. If he, and then going back to this morning's message, anytime you ask God for something, he'll give you the instruction. Our responsibility is to follow that instruction no matter how outrageous it sounds. You get it? Y'all may have, you know, I crack a jokes about it, I talk about it a lot. You know, excuse me, I talk about it a lot. Because it's funny, I actually laughed when God told me to go brush my teeth. But he showed me something. Because remember what I said also, how Jesus moves? Everything he does, he does it with a purpose, for a purpose. It wasn't that he just was like, man, I guess your breath is really stained. He wasn't, he wasn't saying it like that. What he taught me was, he said, when you was in your other relationships, you made sure that you was presentable before you, um, you went to them or you spent time with them. In your other relationships, you went above and beyond. But here I am, the lover of your soul, and you come to me funky? No, that ain't gonna happen. And I began to say, you know what, Lord? I caught a revelation, and that's what kept me celibate for seven and a half years. I said, you know what? Just how I used to write poetry to men that didn't care anything about me, how I used to make sure I'm looking nice, how I used to just really open up my heart to people who, now it ain't even got to be men, to people who don't care nothing about me, I say, I'm going to give that to God. Ten times, a hundred times more. And trust me, when I did that, I got back just the most, like, I can't even explain it. What I got back from God was so fulfilling and so supernatural beyond my wildest dreams. And that's what I pray and I hope that you will receive in your life seven times of what I received from God. So my, the question is tonight is that where, who do you need God to be for you? Because I guarantee you, he can fulfill every void that you have. So... Um, let us go to chapter um, Matthew's chapter 5 and we'll begin to read
Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For this, in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Pause right there. Thank you, honey. All right. This is so powerful. This was the first sermon Jesus preached. The first sermon that Jesus ever preached. And I believe the, the reason why he came and he preached in such a manner because he began to dispel the lie of what truly blessings, what people thought blessings were. Because it's easy to say, you know, it's easy to say, Lord, I'm poor in spirit. People insult me. They, they, they persecute me. I'm not blessed. Lord, I'm always in mourning. Lord, I'm always showing mercy and no one ever want to show mercy back to me. Lord, every time I get into a situation, I always have a pure heart, but it seems like I'm always getting the short end of the stick. Lord, I hunger and thirst after righteousness, but it, it feels like I'm never being satisfied. Lord, I'm always a peacemaker. But it seems like I get no credit. And Jesus came. The first sermon he preached, he said, no, 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 no. You who think you've been overlooked for being a peacemaker. You who think that you were overlooked when you showed mercy. You who think that you've been overlooked when you, you're, you're the one thirsting for righteousness. You're the one who, you who think that you've been overlooked for being the meek one. You who have been broken, torn, poor in spirit. Jesus came to set the record straight that you are blessed. That you are blessed. Why? Simply because God looks after the very same people that he went and spoke to. That there's no deed that goes undone. There's no good thing that you do or who you make, in other words, whoever you, 
However you show up in the world is who you are. If you choose to show up as a good person, if you choose to show up as forgiving, if you choose to show up as loving, if you choose to show up as meek, don't think that you're just being overlooked. God say, no, no, no. You got a bullseye on your head, a bullseye on your head, a bullseye on your head, and a bullseye on your head. See, because people often feel like all my life I've just been taken advantage of. What blessing is there for me? But God say, you are that one I'm going to take as my own. That's why you're special. That's why you're called. That's why God wants you to reproduce you on the earth. Not just you, but the Christ that you become in the earth. So you're blessed. So continue to do what's right. Continue to be meek. Continue to be a peacemaker. Continue. Don't feel bad if you, you're a little bit more sensitive than others. I'm the same way. It breaks my heart if I turn on the news and somebody I don't even know that had just died. It breaks my heart to see somebody out there on the ground sleeping under a bench. It breaks my heart when I see a, a single mother dragging four or five kids away, kids with her and don't have food to feed them. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I guarantee you, if you're a very sensitive person, a lot of times your, period, your, your spirit feels poor. But there's a God in heaven who sees every time your heart weeps. And know that that is special and know that many people don't have that. The Bible said many are called, but few are chosen. What makes you chosen is to accept and understand that you're called. To understand that God is calling you to be that disciplined learner so that you can be an example to this generation and the generation to come. And that you will preach the good news and let people know that the kingdom of heaven is near. Amen.